Doppelgangers from Virginia. These stories involve doppelgangers in our house. This is a thing that my mother blames on me because she swears that there is a demon or entity attached to me. The first experience was mine, and it involved my brother. It was July 14th, 2017, and I know this because after the event I wrote everything down so as not to forget it. My mom was having me and my brother pack our bags to get ready for our trip to Virginia for our family reunion. At the time, my brother and I were sharing a phone, so I was determined to remind him to pack a charger so we could still use the phone while on vacation. I walked out of my bedroom door and saw my brother. I recalled he was wearing a black shirt, which is important to the story. I reminded him to grab the charger, but he seemed to ignore me, so I kept repeating myself. He walked straight past me into the room where our step-grandmother sleeps. I shrugged and repeated myself one more time, walking towards the living room. My mother piped up, telling me that my brother was sitting next to her on the couch. I said that was impossible, he had just walked past me. But when I walked into the living room, there was my brother. He was sitting next to her, and wearing a blue shirt. I was extremely confused, and truly tried to convince my mother that he really had walked past me. She didn't believe me till she had her own experience a couple months later. She was in the kitchen cooking when she saw my stepdad walk past her into the kitchen. She asked him what he would like on his food, but he didn't answer. So she turned towards where he was, and he was gone. From there, she walked into their room, and there was my stepdad, still asleep in bed. My mother told me that she actually believed me about my experience, and that it was creepy as hell to have these things happening. She joked around, saying that all the activity that happens in the house was probably my fault. I shrugged because, to be completely honest, I do believe what happens is caused because of me. I'm currently still living in this house, but things have calmed down, and I think it's because I've started putting up barriers in my head and refusing to interact with whatever it is. Encounters with Shadow People From Nikki I'm an archaeologist from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and I started listening to your podcast to help pass the time while I catalog artifacts. Now I listen to you every time I go to the gym. Those spooky stories definitely make me walk faster while I'm on the treadmill. I've always been the kind of person who believes that there are many things about our world that we don't understand. So naturally, the paranormal to me is just another one of those things. I've had many experiences in the first 30 years of my life, and I always try to find a logical explanation before jumping to, it was a ghost. I'll only mention a few here for now, but will more than likely write back with some of my other experiences in the future. My first memory of experiencing the paranormal was when I was maybe six or seven years old. My aunt says I called them the poor people, which made sense to me because you'd have to be poor if you lived in my closet. To me, they look like small men, maybe about two feet tall and pure black. They were almost cartoon-like, with pointed hands, feet, and heads. They never spoke to me and never left that closet. They were just there, every night and only at night. That was my first run-in with what I now know were shadow people. A few years later, my younger brother and I switched bedrooms. He was in the room with the poor people, and I was in the room diagonally across the hall. I don't know if he ever saw them, and I never asked. Back then, we used to sleep with the hall light on, because we were afraid of the dark. 
I distinctly remember seeing the shadow of a woman on the hallway carpet between our rooms, like she was standing just back from my bedroom door. I suppose it could have been matrixing in the carpet, but I don't really believe that. I tried to recreate the shadow a few times, but was never able to reproduce it. We now have hardwood flooring, and I haven't gone upstairs much to check and see whether she's still there. The last story I'll share with you happened when I was probably 14 or 15 years old. I've never been a good sleeper, and can easily wake at the drop of a hat, and it always takes me forever to fall asleep. This night in particular was no different. I'm not sure exactly what time it was, but I know it was late because everyone else was asleep. I had school the next morning and was trying to fall asleep myself. My bed was pushed up against the wall with a window, and I was laying in my bed looking at the darkness outside, with my back to the rest of the room, including my closet, which was probably my first mistake. I'd like to note that I had the bright idea of years before of removing my closet door and putting up a curtain instead. Fucking idiot. Just so we're clear, that was in the original text that was not me editorializing. While I was looking out the window, hoping I could just fall asleep, I heard a soft voice from my closet whisper my name, similar to the way a child calls to their sibling when they're both supposed to be asleep. I, of course, tried to tell myself I was hearing things because I was just overtired. There was no fucking way I was going to turn around and see who or what had called my name. A few minutes passed and I heard what sounded like someone leaning backwards against the wall. I heard the thump, then a sliding noise, as though this person or thing was sliding their back down the wall to sit on the floor. As if that didn't creep me out enough, what happened next certainly did. It sounded like whatever had called my name had shifted from sitting against the wall to being on their hands and knees. I could hear the sound of it crawling across the laminate floor towards my bed. The next thing I knew, my name was being whispered once more, angrily, and right up against my ear. I have absolutely no recollection of what happened next. I assume I passed out, because there's no way I would have just fallen asleep. I never mentioned my experience to anyone, or most of the other ones really, because I knew I would have been brushed off as just telling stories again. I've had many more experiences, and I still live in the same house with my parents, though I've since moved into the bedroom in the finished basement. It seems most of my experiences in this house revolve around closets, even going so far as having nightmares about the closet upstairs where the whispers came from. I always dream that I need to go into the room, but the light won't turn on, or that I'm in the room and there's something negative in the closet. Whatever it is, I don't think it's the biggest fan of me, and I'd rather give it all the space it needs. Lucy Bay, from Deborah. I'm going out on a limb here and saying that I'm your first listener in Madagascar, but you can definitely fact check me on that. I'm an American expat who moved here about a year and a half ago to join my South African fiancé, who had been working in Maida for a couple years already. It's a fascinating place to live, especially for me, an anthropologist, though I'm currently enjoying a nice long sabbatical from our bullshit capitalist system. The culture is very rich in traditions, called Fumbagasi. People, especially out in the villages, are very superstitious. Even an antenna narivo, called Tana by most people, because two syllables are more economical than six, Malagasy people still follow fadi, or taboos. One in particular is that you must avoid pointing with your index finger, because of the fadi against pointing at a grave. Tana is hundreds of years old, and super crowded, 
so it's pretty common to see random graves along the road. To avoid this, people point with their knuckles. I'm now so accustomed to pointing with my knuckle that I even do it on vacation abroad. My story doesn't really involve a direct interaction with the paranormal, but I thought you'd find it interesting nonetheless. In the northwest of Maida, there's a beautiful island called Nusi Bay, the top tourist destination in the country. My fiancé and our friends actually own a hotel-slash-restaurant on the island. The story takes place in 2013, and I'll link a couple articles if you're interested in learning more. In one of the villages in the southern part of Nusi Bay, a little boy was found murdered one morning, floating in a stream, allegedly also mutilated with some organs removed. His family and neighbors obviously were horrified, so they got together a search party to find the murderers. For some reason that's still unclear, they zeroed in on a group of expats, two French guys and an Italian guy, who'd recently rented a home on the island. Allegedly, and I can't stress that enough, allegedly, when the mob stormed these guys' home, they found the missing organs in the fridge. Refrigerated organs in this part of the world would most likely be taken across the Mozambique Strait to Mozambique or South Africa, where they would then be used for muti, a dark magic form of witchcraft, as opposed to being sold for medical purposes. The police nationale came in and took these three guys into custody, bringing them to the big city on the island, Hellville, and throwing them in jail. A larger mob formed of outraged Malagasy villagers from around the area. They stormed the jail Bastille-style and dragged the guys away. The police couldn't really do anything. There is never violence like this on the island. They basically just stop tourists and try to extort money from them if they don't have their visas with them. The mob brought these guys down to the most popular beach on the island, Ambataloka, beat them, and burned them alive. There are some graphic pictures online that show these guys being consumed in the fire, and I highly recommend avoiding those. The official estimate is that over 50 people were involved in the lynch mob, but only 19 were charged and convicted of the murders. The beach is still extremely popular, full of hotels, bars, and restaurants. The only thing, though, is that on some nights, you can smell the burning of the bonfire of human flesh. I've personally never smelled it, but I've had a very uncomfortable sensation of anxiety and dread each time I've been to the beach. After the sun sets, the beach is quiet and pitch black. I really don't enjoy being out there at night. Actually, I don't enjoy being there at all. Now when we go to Nusi Bay, we stay at our hostel, in Hellville actually, and hang out at other beaches. Also, fun slash terrifying fact, Sports Illustrated was in Nusi Bay at the time for their 2014 swimsuit photo shoot. They did the shoot on a very small and beautiful island called Nusi Aranya, which is about a 90-minute boat ride away. The plan was to have the models and crew enjoy a few days in Abataloka before the shoot, but they unfortunately returned to the island the day before the murders. For the entire time Sports Illustrated was there, everyone was holed up in their hotel rooms, taking in the scent of char-grilled human that permeated the beach. My source for this is my who works at Sports Illustrated and heard the story from the shoot director. She told him I lived in Meta, so he just had to share it. Book of the Dead is a Ghost Story Guys production, narrated by Brennan Store. For access to the entire Book of the Dead archive, ad-free, 
head to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys.